<laughs> New chapter. <laughs> might be might be done in three years. We'll see. <laughs> Just kidding. We are almost halfway done, and it's you know it would you know started in November last no December last year. So we are getting going. So Luke chapter eleven. We're gonna, oh I put too many ones. We're going to be in in verse one. Sorry, verse one through thirteen. You know, we're not just covering two verses today, so we're not going that slow. So, <laughs> yeah, Luke chapter 11, verses, starting verse 1. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Each, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation. But all, he also said to them, eh, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine is, in, is on a journey and has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. Gah. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, but because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who, who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, even if, uh, if, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who who ask him. Jesus, we pray right now that you would open up your words to us, that we would be able to engage with you in your word through the truth of your word, God, through the hope of your word, through the joy of your word and what it's saying to us here this morning. Open up our minds and hearts to receive here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You may have a seat. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, one, I'm sorry, 18.3 million children, that's over one and four kids, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all of the societal ills facing America today. Some of, some of these things... Are, are something like this, you know, over four, they're more, I'm sorry, people who have no father in the home, like we just talked about, are, in, um, are over four times more likely to live in poverty, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect, they're two times greater risk at, uh, for infant mortality, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit a crime, which is going to prison, two times more likely to suffer obesity, 
two times more likely to drop out of school, causes many of our un unmanageable social ills affecting children, and also psychological as well, more likely to become an absent father themselves or have children with absent fathers. There was a lot of statistics. I was like, do I put all these things on there? Oh my gosh. There's so much that, that's going on with, this, with these statistics in our society. Um, and, here, and here's the thing. This is not to shame anyone here locally that is a single mom, is a single, is a single parent. This is, if this is a maybe giving an answer to, oh, that's why my kid is so messed up. <laughs> or, or I understand why this is so hard. I understand what is going on in my life. Maybe as, a, as a, a kid of an absent father, this is what's going on in my life. Maybe these things that I'm hurting from or have been suffering from or been wrestling with and can't find the answer comes from that reality that, oh, that's why. Because I don't have a father that's been in my life. And it's also to give us encouragement today because there is a flip side to hear. So those who have a present father in the home are uh, these, these certain things. They do better in school. They're less likely to be, to be mistreated. They, they, these things greatly improve their children's emotional and social well-being, and they, re, they reduce parental stress. In fact, my wife, even the other day, was like, I am so thankful for you. I was like, oh, I, I like to hear these words. Yes? <laughs> Just even by my presence there, it was different. Having a support that she could lean into to have help in the home. You know, to say, I need a break. Here, you take the kids. I need to go to the bathroom. You take the kids. <laughs> Make sure they don't die. You know. <clears throat> but the encouragement here today is, is not just um, that... Uh, that the, these things are, are better in, in, a, in a family home and seeing the, the positive and seeing the reality and inspiration to have a father in the home, but it's also recognition and remembrance that we have a heavenly father. And so even if we don't have a earthly father, there is still hope, A, in our heavenly father and hope in the church because, like, it's, like, the word, like the, it's been said, it takes a village to raise a child, Right? It takes a community, it takes the church to help raise one another. If we give each other permission to help each, you know, to, for us to help parent each other's kids, there is such a flourishing that can happen to be able to have, you know, speak into our kids' lives, allowing people to speak into our own kids' lives and speaking into kids' lives and being a voice of the Heavenly Father. Because as, as we talked about, the, our culture has become so fatherless, not just in the home. It has become fatherless in the church and in society overall. They have, in, in essence, you know, as the old saying go, goes, they've kicked God out of school. You know, we're not, we're not here to just say, let's put, get prayer back into school. Let's put the Ten Commandments back in and do all these political things. My, my, it's just looking at our society overall. I, don't want, I just want to see a picture as they've dismissed and pushed our Heavenly Father out of society, out of the sphere of, of politics, of economics, of education. So all these results are also happening practically with the father figure in the home being absent as well. 
fatherlessness is one of, if not the most critical problem in society today. From which all, honestly, look, think about it. Most of our other problems in our society, this is where they stem from. Every single thing. From social, socially to economically, politically, and spiritually. I believe that this is one of the main reasons Jesus tells us and shows us, as John says, our true Father in God. The Apostle John, who wrote the book of John, said that you know, every time he, Jesus spoke, he's like, I came to show you the Father, the Father who sent me, wants you to see him by looking at me, the Son. If you've seen me, You've seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? I've shown you the Father. I've shown you what a good Father is like. The character and the nature of a good Father. You have a Father. Your children have a Father. Even if they or you don't have a a present earthly Father in the home. We all have a heavenly Father, and our Father is good, like we just sung. Our Father loves. Our Father is always present. Our Father is always telling you and showing you grace. Your Father wants you to know here this morning, He loves you. And not only that, He even likes you. He cherishes you. He cherishes you. He wants you to pray to him knowing all of this here this morning. Teaching to pray. As we look at our passage here today, Jesus teaching them to pray is not just a framework you know, a father work. How do I do this for my father? How do I do this for God? How do I pray? Basically, I'm throwing God, throwing God a bone here. I'm, I'm praying to him. I'm doing these good works. I'm trying to earn his favor. I'm trying to earn his love. Because if I don't pray, oh, God doesn't like me. Because how you pray is totally dependent on who you're praying to and what you believe that he thinks about you. When you pray, here's our our main idea here this morning. When you pray, remember the Father's heart for you. This is Jesus' main point in this passage. This is not just Jesus giving them a framework. Like, here you go, here's a framework to pray. Father. (laughs) There's a framework to it, but that was not Jesus' full intention. Jesus' intention with teaching them to pray is not just teaching them the framework, but also teaching them who they're praying to and the character and the nature and the heart of the Father who they are praying to. And so as we look here at the Lord's Prayer, I, would, I want to kind of break this down a little bit and see, just look at the framework itself before we get into the, this na- the nature of this. And as we, as we read through this, this, this format, you can also hear and sense Jesus' heart for the Father as he's, as he's telling us to pray this. Let's first look at, the very, at that first little kind of intro lines there. 
Because everything in the Bible is, meant, is, is written there for, the, for a purpose, right? As he, uh, he was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, so his disciples are polite. They're like, okay, we'll let you finish. You know, <laughs> like Kanye, I'm going to let you finish. But, <laughs> but then one of his disciples said to him, teach us to pray. Here's the thing I want you to look at. Why are they doing that? They're, they're watching him. And they're like, we want to know that. We want to learn how to do that. So Jesus, we're watching you. Jesus, look at that. Jesus emulated prayer throughout his earthly ministry. He put it on display. He showed them what it meant to pray. He showed them what it looked like. They were listening to the words that he was praying. Jesus' prayer life was inspirational to those around him, so much so that they were like, this is amazing. Can you teach us? This is awesome. I am so inspired. Jesus gives them a framework for prayer and how to live it out, how to walk it out in their lives. So what kind of life are or do we pray for? You know, how, what are we praying for? Jesus frames the kind of life we should desire to live and how to live it by saying this. Here's what? The first one. Father. That's important. The very first word that Jesus tells these guys to pray is a relational, intimate word. Abba, as they would say. Daddy. Daddy God. Like a kid when you want, when you come home from work, running through running through the kitchen and saying, Daddy. We love that feeling. Love that feeling. We are talking to our Father. To someone who loves us unconditionally, who loved us first before we ever loved him. So much so that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for you, to show you his love. That steadfast, as we talk about, that agape, that, that chesed, that steadfastly uh, loyal and faithful and never-ending, always pursuing, annoyingly so sometimes, love. Sometimes I cuddle with my son, he's like, stop it, Daddy, you're cutting <laughs> I love cuddling with my kids. And I love it when they love to cuddle as well. When he just wants me to stay. We are talking to someone. You are talking to someone who likes you. You don't have to earn his liking. You're already welcome. That's why Jesus says to pray, Father. Because you are liked. You are loved. And that's why he uses this word. Who wants you who wants to be with you who you are good enough for you don't have to prove yourself to him that's right he is pleased with you you don't have to earn it you don't have to be pleasing enough for him you are pleasing enough. That's why the very first word that we pray is a word of welcome. We feel welcome so we can say, Father. 
But he said, your name be honored as holy. Because he is your father. Now, remember, fathers are to be honored and respected. The very character, the, the nature of that position in the family is one of honor and respect. Your heavenly father is worthy of honor and respect because he doesn't abuse it, nor does he neglect it. We, we have earthly fathers that do, that abuse that position in the family. And who or, or who abdicate it. Like, I don't want to do it. So even if they don't leave, even if they're in their home, we have a lot of present absent fathers. They're maybe there physically, but they're checked out. They sit down on the couch, watch the news. They dismiss their kids. They don't, they're not present with their kids. Lost on social media, which is why I, had, I deleted the, my social media apps off, off my phone again. Because I realized the trend starting to tick up of like, shoot, I am not paying attention to my kids. Where I'm like, hey, let's watch the reels together. You know, that's not spending time with my kids. That's being a present, absent father. Absent emotionally. So engaging. He said, give us each day our daily bread. <laughs> Think about it. This is the essence of faith. This is the core of our belief that he, that he is our daily sustenance, that God knows. Jesus knows the Father, that the Father hears him. And his words aren't just going into, in, into, into the air and going into nothing. He knows that his words are falling on the Father's ears. That there is really a God out there, in here. That there's really, truly, in reality, a God. And he is Father. And we daily rely upon God. Why? Because he wants to give it. Jesus, our Father, wants to give you your daily bread. He wants to be who you rely on, who you are in desperate need of every single day because he loves to show up. He loves to come through. You don't have to fear or wonder if God cares and wants to give you good things. He does. And forgive us our sins, for we forgive, also forgive everyone in debt to us. It's interesting. It doesn't say if. And forgive us our sins if we, if we ourselves forgive anyone else. Let's look at these words. That, were for that first word. And, or as, or for we, forgive. This, this anticipates a willingness and active life posture to forgive continually knowing that people are going to do things stupid against us that make us frustrated or that offend us yeah exactly <laughs> and knowing in turn <laughs> you know you will do things that annoy other people you will do things that offend other people you will say things that offend other people that is one of the hardest and most difficult and frustrating things about our society today is it not the 
so easily offendedness of our culture. Yeah. Forgive. Well, what is this word? For? Let's look at the word forgive. Forgive meaning to, to let go or to, to release. To Basically, it's also this word that permit to depart. It's not like this, you know, I'm, you're trapped here and I'm going to just keep yelling at you and wag, wagging my finger at you. Blah, 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 blah. It's the permitting to leave. It's forgiving. It's releasing the offense. It's releasing the debt. Everyone, what does it say? Indebted or owing us. The word debt you know, it has this connotation of you, you were offended, someone sinned against you, and now that person is now in debt. They're, they're negative in your emotional quotient, <clears throat> right? Or as it was called, the, the, the bank, the, the, the bank of trust, right? They're now in debt, right? <clears throat> and so what do we do? We forgive it. So that relational trust is back to black, that they're not indebted. We release that. There's several, I mean, several parables all over Scripture that talk about that, are there not? Talk about releasing this person, releasing that person from debt, and that person being overjoyed. This guy treating it wrong and being thrown into prison. You know, all these different things about how we, how do we relate to other people's debt? But the point wasn't financial debt. The point was sin debt against each other. Because there's, even though we have been set free from sin, the, the law has been canceled that, that was written against us. All of our past, our present, and our future sins were nailed to the cross with Jesus 2,000 years ago. We are completely free from sin. There are still real sin consequences in this world. If I murder someone, I go to jail. If I murdered someone back in the 1800s, the vigilantes would come after me. I'd be an outlaw. There are very real consequences to what we do. And that's why God was like, you're free from these things for me. Change your mind. That's the word. Repent, right? Change your, not, change your mind. Metanoia. Change. Meta. Noyeo. Thinking. Mind. Trajectory. Change your mind about how you live, about how you encounter one another. Metanoia. Change your path, change your trajectory by changing your thinking. Forgiving the debts of others because your father has forgiven your debt. When he looks at Christ, I'm sorry, when he looks at you, he sees Christ on the cross. Covered in the blood of Christ. Washed clean. All of your sins forgiven. All unrighteousness cleansed. As the Father has forgiven. Our capacity and desire to forgive, get this, comes from a heart that's encountered the Father's forgiveness. So your ability to forgive others is directly correlated to your relationship with your Father. Your Heavenly Father. Not saying that forgiving others is a prerequisite for the Father to A, forgive us, or B, forgiveness that is you know, being a requirement to keep your salvation. It's not, this is not a salvific issue. This is, I have heard this preached so many times. Well, you better forgive or else God's going to, you're going to lose your salvation. You cannot lose Holy Spirit. You cannot lose your Father's favor. He loves you. He will keep you. 
This is not a prerequisite. This is a prerequisite to encountering and experiencing the life that the Father wants for you. This is a posture for prayer. And this is, this is how Jesus is reframing this. This is also changing the prayer language from vengeance and destruction upon our enemies. Because think about this. In the, in the ancient Near East mind, they were, all, they were only concerned about, about their flourishing and, and, their, and their power. And so what would they pray against the Romans? Destroy the Romans! Destroy Herod! Rain down fire. I mean, think about that. You know, Peter and James, Peter, what was it? Uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, came to Jesus. Who were like, and the, uh, we talked about what, a couple weeks ago? Where they came and, like, and the Samaritan city like rejected them. And they're like, Jesus, shall we call on fire? We can do it. Right? No, his posture was changing. Was to say, we ask for love. We ask for forgiveness. We ask the Father's heart for our enemies. Because we want them to encounter and experience a life of redemption. A life of the Father's, experiencing the Father's favor. So this is Jesus shifting that mindset. And do not bring us into temptation. Now, some, some interpreters would say, you know, this is a, like, a request to avoid time of, of testing. Like, you know, deliver us, Lord, from, from the trials. Deliver us from even having to experience these things. That, that's kind of not really a good understanding of that because the very life that Jesus was calling them to it was a tr- life of trials. It was a life of tribulation and temptation. That was the very life. That's the very life that we are invited into when we come to faith in Jesus. It's going to be hard. Why? Because we have a very real enemy that hates you, hates God, and therefore he hates you even more because you represent his kingdom on earth. And he wants to destroy that. And so, what is he praying for? This is a request for protection from sin. And as Matthew would even say, you know, protect us from the evil one, right? From evil, the evil one. You know, thinking, saying, doing the wrong things, and the enemy around us that wants to, to destroy us and to, and to send us you know, into a tizzy and, and chaos. He wants there to be dissension. He wants there to be malice and division and bitterness and anger and resentment against one another, including against our earthly fathers, mothers. But this is to pray for strength in these times of trials, temptations, and tribulations. So as to, to think and to, to say and to do that which is truly tov. Like we talked about the last couple of weeks. That which is truly good. If you want to hear tov means good in Hebrew. The ultimate good. That good which brings flourishing. The word shalom. So what does he ask? So this is where we see the context of why we can interpret all of this prayer as this intimate prayer with the Father. What does he say? Ask, seek, Knock. So these, these next two paragraphs here, 5 through 13, are all about that. Jesus is saying, engage, knowing that your Father wants to do, give, bless, protect, and empower your life. 
This is his heart. This is God's heart. This is the Father's heart for you. We don't just come to God and ask, you know, hey, God, uh, you know, if, if it's convenient uh, for you and it's not too much of a burden or it's cool, you know, could you like, you know, fill in the blank. We seek or we ask because we know the heart of our Father. We know the heart of God is good. Now, here's the thing. Our Father doesn't just give us everything that we want. He knows better than that. (laughs) Right? But our Father will give us the good that we need. Because he knows what you need. Right? Oh, Lord, give me a Snickers bar. Here's an apple. Oh, Lord, give me cake. Okay. Cool. All right, I'll give you cake. I like cake. Eggs, flour, milk. You have ever heard the old Cosme show? You know, Daddy's great. Give us chocolate cake. I just can't just give it to give it to him too often, you know, <laughs> or else to be like the cupcake kid, you know. <laughs> but we, if we, as we look at this passage, I, thinking about the the father, the figure of the father, and what does fatherhood look like? Dads, you know, you, you know this, friendship. Fatherhood is also a friendship. Our relationship with our Father, with our Heavenly Father, is a friendship. Fatherhood requires being a good friend. Like, I remember one of my, one of my absolute favorite memories with my father. Um, he's still alive. He's fine. He's, fine. he's in Texas. No. <laughs> still with us. But I, I loved, one, the, my, one of my favorite times was going to Six Flags Magic Mountain in California on New Year's Day. No one was there. It was amazing. We got to ride every ride like five times. Like go to the go to the back, go to the front, go to the middle, go to the back, go to the front. Throw up like a couple times. Go to the back, go to the front. <laughs> every ride. It was amazing. Wore matching shirts. <laughs> All these things. Going shooting with my dad. I have so many amazing memories with my dad. A few just that stuck out this morning when I was thinking about that. And then I asked him, asked Jackson this morning. You know, now that I'm a father. I was like, hey, what are, your, what are some of your favorite memories so far? And I was like, in my head, I was thinking, you know, hunting for bears. And he's like, hunting for bears. He loved that time last year, last September, when we went out to Temple Hills and just camped overnight and went up and hiked on top of a hill. I knew we were probably weren't going to see anything. But hey, hey just in case, you know. <laughs> Teach him what it's like to kill something. <laughs> he also said Sabbath. He loves sabbaths with me and and oftentimes when we go camping so sabbaths and camping are my dad are my my son and my favorite memories so far this last five and a half years because the sabbaths are when he gets my full attention when he and i are able to relate and us as a family get to relate it's it's an amazing thing to see our relationship with our heavenly father and ask the question, how is God a good friend? 
that we can be more like. How is God the Father a good friend? And how can I be more like him in being a good friend? I mean, look at, let's look at this. You know, the disciples, this, this juxtaposition, this correlation between these two, two different things, these are pictures of the Father and the disciples, us, you know, you. So he is, the disciples are the, the waking friend, and Jesus is the sleeping friend. The, the disciples are the child asking, and the Father is the Father. <laughs> the, one, the disciples are the ones that are in need, and the Father is the one that is the, the provider, the one that is the giver. We look to God and see where we need to be a better father, like our father. This goes for your, you mothers, too. This, goes, this is you know, looking at his heart and who he is as a, as a parent, as a father, and being able to be that parent to your child, to your kids, and as a friend to others. We look to God to see where we can be good. How to think good, how to be good, how to do and cultivate good. So there lies the question, how do we pray? What is the posture in which, that we, in which we pray? What, what kind of prayer life did the disciples observe in Jesus? What did they see? What did they experience? And how can we emulate these, these same things? Well, here, here's an interesting thought that is very kind and caring and, and everything and compassionate. But also, don't forget, what was Jesus doing? Jesus was battling the enemy. Jesus was at war with the enemy. Jesus was praying for a holy boldness. A life of purpose and mission. This isn't simply a routine, a formal prayer life, not just going through the motions or rote sentiment and repetition, you know, dear Jesus, dear God, I just pray thank you so much for this day. Not to say that those things are bad. We need to move beyond those things. This is how we learn to pray. It goes beyond like a formal, rote, continued repetition, the things we've always prayed all the time. This goes beyond to an intimacy. We talk about how the Christian faith is what? Not a religion, but a relationship. Do people in a relationship talk? How do they talk? They talk in an intimate way, honestly, openly, transparently, with someone that they are close and open with. This is an intimate relationship with the loving Father who wants to empower us with purpose and mission in which to live this life. doesn't want us to, you know, bugs the heck out of me. Oh, God just wants me to be happy. He wants you to have joy. He doesn't, here's the thing. When I say he doesn't want you to be happy, that's not his main mission. His purpose isn't to make you unhappy. His purpose is for you to have a purpose. His purpose is for you to have hope. His desire for you is to live on mission with him. To live with a reason. To live with a gumption. To live life and do it on purpose. Because remember, when you pray, remember the, the Father's heart 
for you. And what does the Father want to do in this world? That's what, if you, if you look at nothing else in what Jesus said and did throughout his entire ministry, he prayed to do the will of his Father, to bring the kingdom of God to this earth. And we are the continuation of that mission. This is how we pray. We pray for intimacy and mission. Compassion and love relationship and boldness and gumption. This is how we pray. So there's a framework, yes, but there is an inspiration for how and why and what to pray. Praying and remembering the Father's heart for you. Jesus, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your presence as our Father. That you love us, Father. That, you inter- that Jesus, that you intercedes to us, f- to the Father on our behalf. And you empower us with your Holy Spirit to live this life. God says, this is how it will be when you ask for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit. That Father, let your name be considered holy. Give us our daily bread. Let your kingdom come, Lord God. Deliver us from temptation, Lord. Lead us not into temptation, Lord. Deliver us from sin. Deliver us from the evil one. Empower us, Lord Father, for your mission in this world. With your purposes. Give us holy boldness to pray boldly, to pray powerfully, and to live compassionately, to live boldly, to proclaim the gospel, and to live on purpose, on your mission, Lord, continually. Empower us, Lord Jesus, for everything that you would have. Let your kingdom come through us, Father. For it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.